Good morning, I'm Teresa Moyer. Welcome to Conchahawken Vineyard Church again. Here to those of you who are visiting us, maybe for the first time, or if you've come back again for a second, third, or 27,000th time, thank you for those of you who have joined us online. I add my welcome to Riches. I'm the associate pastor here at the Conchahawken Vineyard Church, and I am so excited to share with you today what God has given to me um, to share with you. This... Uh, summer we've been doing a sermon series that I love. It is the core of my favorite thing about being a Christian. Being naturally supernatural, cultivating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I love about this series is we have not just been learning about the gifts of the Spirit, but we have been applying them instantly at the end of each service whenever it's appropriate. And this is called activation. We've been activating the gifts of God in our community. The Conchahawken Vineyard Church, it might surprise you to hear this, but we are not a religion. We are not a religion. We are not interested in being religious in any way outside of what the Apostle James said in his letter, which is to care for widows and orphans and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. That's what he called true religion. Other than that, we are more a group of like-minded and diverse individuals who gather together to have fellowship, yes, but more importantly, to grow to know God better. I asked the young adult group that meets at my house um, on Wednesday nights, why are you here? What do you want from this time? Just to be a better Christian? So that you can appear spiritual to your friends? What is that about? And one of them said, we're here to know God. I was like, then we're on to something, okay? We are here to discern the mind of the spirit of God himself and to follow Jesus wherever he leads, doing whatever he calls us to do on the planet. This gives us purpose and intimacy with the living God, that is why we are here. Together with God, we grow closer to our original identity when God created us, to rule and reign with Jesus on this earth through his power, his calling, and his presence with us. That's why we're here. And then to disciple and train other people to learn to know and follow God, listen to his voice, worship him, and obey out, not of out of a religious obligation, but out of a heart of gratitude. I've had religion. I am not interested in it in any way, shape, or form. What I want is a spiritual life, a deep spiritual life led by Jesus himself, empowered by the gifts that his spirit gives to his people to do on the earth so that his kingdom, power, love, and glory can be demonstrated everywhere I go. That's my life stream. I want to see more of it. I hope that is your dream too. And I don't think we're the only ones who desire a spiritual life. Many are called to this life. Many are seeking it, but they just can't find it. We want to be the kind of community where they can find it. But unfortunately, too many spirit-minded people are being led into dangerous and deceitful spiritual arenas 
where the enemy of God, Satan, the devil himself, is convincing them that Jesus is bad, he's irrelevant, he's contrary to the good of the whole, and convincing them what what he offers is better, more meaningful, more satisfying, more beautiful, mystical, magical. These beloved men and women, boys and girls, people who God made are being drawn into darkness thinking it's light. You see, the enemy of God knows what it is to have been a holy angel, an archangel, one of the primary spiritual beings in heaven. He knows how to masquerade as an angel of light, how to make darkness look great to the natural eye while he leads droves of people away from the living God into darkness forever. Let us be people of the light of Jesus, the true light that leads all who would follow into everlasting love, glory, and wholeness. That is why we are here. Let us be so filled with the Spirit of God through the gifts he gives that we blow people's paradigms about who God is and that we would help them see their deepest hopes about God become a reality. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for drawing the people that are here today, here, both online and in person. No accident that they decided to come today. You don't do accidents. You do spiritual life at the deepest level. Thank you for that time of worship. Fill the dry, cracked places in us, Lord. Fill it with the oil of your spirit that we would be a vibrant community. So full of your spirit that we just kind of can't keep it in. And let us be truly ourselves because that is the best gift you've given us outside of the life of Jesus. You made us as you made us for the purposes that you made us to do. So let us do that with our full lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. You know, Jesus told us that God was a good father and that he wouldn't hold back the Holy Spirit from anyone who would ask for it. We've been asking God to pour out his gifts among us for the building up of our community, of one another's faith, and in relationship with Jesus. And for our ability to minister through these gifts wherever we go, naturally, supernaturally. The spiritual gifts we've looked at so far are faith, prophecy, and healing. And we also looked at our own uniqueness and the way God made our gifts for us to give away for his purposes. We looked at our rich heritage of the Holy Spirit's giftings moving through the vineyard movement. We've been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the gifts are listed. But in verse 7, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear why we need these gifts. He says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Corinthians and Americans had a lot in common. They were spiritually gifted and hungry. They liked individuality and longed for personal validation and fulfillment. And Paul stresses that the gifts were not given for those reasons. They were given to build up community and demonstrate God's love and power. Because contrary to what Americans believe, individuality is lonely, isolating. God's ways are better. He has made us to be in a family. 
but a family where we are seen and loved for who we actually are. That's the key. Paul is also competing in this chapter with the leftovers from the pagan worship culture of his day, which were led by demonic forces and filled with chaos, frenzy, and individualistic, ecstatic experiences, loud, prophetic utterances. I could demonstrate for you. I'm very theatrical, but I read in one, one example where people would go, <laughs> in pagan worships. No joke, right? That, that was normal. So he's dealing with this kind of outburst. And ironically, most of them were, were among the women because women had this job to create this frenzied atmosphere. This is not in my notes. I just felt like God wanted me to do that. That was fun. Okay. So these in, you woke up anyway, didn't you? <laughs> these individuals feel very important as they experience these phenomenon. Like, you know, this power is coming on them. And in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions almost in passing a very important gift that the Holy Spirit gives to help people discern whether what they're experiencing spiritually is actually of God or has some other source. This gift is called the gift of discerning of spirits. It's a very awkward to say gift, but you'll hear me say it a lot. The gift of discerning of spirits. So the Corinthian church seemed to be very open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they enjoyed operating in them, but they had a hard time letting go of these former pagan practices, and they seemed to do sort of a blending of both in their houses of worship. And what God has shown me through this is that God does not like it when we mix pagan practices with worship practices that are supposed to be pure to him. He doesn't like that blending. It was questionable whether or not the spiritual phenomena they were experiencing in Corinth was actually from God. Now, one measure of this was whether or not the expression of the gift was serving the whole of the community, as we saw earlier. And British pastor and author David Pryor, in his book, The Message of 1 Corinthians, Life of the Local Church, he writes this. By concentrating on the church at Corinth as the body of Christ, Paul is again contrasting the false spirituality of contemporary religions with the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. To be truly spiritual drives a person neither to ecstasy, nor to individualism, nor to otherworldliness, but into the life of the local church as an expression of his or her personal commitment to Jesus as Lord and, and to his body here on the earth. It's the implication of, it is there that the implication of what is to be spiritual, men and women of the spirit, will be worked out. So what does he mean? It means in the community of God is where the Holy Spirit gifts are worked out. And then out there in our lives when we give them away. Discernment is given to help us see what's really of God and therefore good for the community and for the kingdom of God. God's ways always lead to an abundant and powerful life in the community of God. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full full of him, full of the spirit, full of power and blessing. Satan's ways, no matter how beautiful or good they might appear or sound, ultimately will lead to death and separation from the living God. He's the father of lies, has been a deceiver from the beginning, and prowls around like a hungry lion, seeing who he can steal from, kill off, and destroy. That's his goal. 
if we're honest, we as Christians are kind of a mixed bag of God, ourselves, and whatever is left attached to us from the kingdom of darkness that we, when we were in the world. If you take nothing else away from this sermon today, take home this. This is the blue. You ready? God is good, Satan is bad, and we all are a mixed bag. Now let's take a look at where we see this gift in scriptural context so we can better understand it. Paul's giving a list of all the spiritual gifts. Then he says, to one is given this, to one is given this. To another, there is given by the Spirit miracles and miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Looking at the list, I find the location of this gift interesting. It's between prophecy and speaking in tongues. Now, scholars suggest the gift was given in order to discern by what spirit someone is giving a prophecy publicly or publicly speaking in a tongue, because both were common in pagan cultures. People would just all of a sudden bust out with a prophetic word, Thus saith the Lord! Oh, oh no, that wasn't in pagan cultures. That's in another kind of culture. And um, the discernment of spirits is a way for us to know if something's really from God. Discernment of spirits is important for us because every prophecy or utterance needs to be weighed. The late professor and theologian Dr. Robert Thomas puts it this way. As implied by its position immediately after the gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits is a companion gift to prophecy. Someone other than the prophetic speaker needed to render an immediate opinion about the validity and source of a prophet's message after the complete completion of the message. The discerner was responsible to determine whether the utterance came from the Holy Spirit, from the human source, or from the demonic. If it was demonic, he had to rule against the authority of what the prophet had said. If it was the Holy Spirit, he could authenticate the validity of the prophetic message. Listen, just because someone tells you something is from God doesn't mean it is. Prophecies can be wrong. Spirits behind supernatural experiences can be the enemy. The Apostle John tells us to test the spirits. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Between Paul and John, we can learn a very important reality. There are three forces in this world that can be behind any spiritual experience. And God gives us the gift of discerning of spirits to evaluate and know the source. And it's, a, it's important because God is, Satan is, and we are a mixed bag, right? The first source, obviously, is God himself, right? Influencing thoughts and actions through his Holy Spirit. This is always good, very good. Leads to life and life more abundant. This power is primarily available to followers of Jesus, although God has been known to use a donkey from time to time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. You see, only people with the Spirit of God can really discern the things of God. If you don't have God's Holy Spirit, everything about God seems wackadoodle, right? Just seems weird. 
In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14 to 16, Paul says this. The person without the Holy Spirit doesn't accept things that come from the Spirit of God and considers them foolishness, cannot understand them because these things are only discerned through God's own mind. Does that make sense to you? If we don't have God's Spirit, how can we understand the mind of God? It's wacky. But if you have the Spirit of God, spiritual things make sense to you. Through this gift, discerning of spirits, the the Spirit helps us know the things that come from the Holy Spirit. The second force we have to contend with when discerning anything spiritual is the human force, right? That of the human mind and spirit. We learned in our series on soul care, the the mind and the spirit are foundational parts of our entire makeup. Our thoughts and desires are powerful forces through which we discern life, and we discern spirituality, and we discern God. The gift of discerning of spirits can help us see just why someone might be giving us a prophecy. Is it to honor Jesus? Is it to build someone up in their communal identity? If so, then it's probably from God. Or is it to appear spiritual for their own purposes? Some people want so much to be seen as spiritual and functioning in God that they will give us their opinion or their perspective on us and say it's from God. And they don't mean to deceive. They just may not be operating in discernment themselves. They may not know if it's really from God or themselves. That's why at the vineyard, when we give a word or a prophecy, we will very often, and I hope almost always, say, I I think this might be God, I'm not sure. But you discern it, right? You you test it, see if 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 it seems like it resonates with you. We all need to to, um, be conscious that we could be impacting our own understanding of what we're receiving. Because not everyone is fully whole. I mean, few of us really are, if we're honest, right? Fully whole, heal, anybody like that here? Okay. Injury, mental illness, stress, physical illness, personal desires, insecurities, they can all impact the way somebody discerns God or other people. The gift of discernment of spirits can help us see when someone is ministering to us out of their natural mind. I've had plenty of people tell me things they believed were prophetic that weren't even factual. God actually knows the actual facts about our lives. I had one person, I kid you not, wrote me a letter. Dear Teresa, blah, 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 blah about you, blah, 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 blah about you. I see this in you, I see this in you, blah, blah, blah about you. Love Jesus. And in this letter from Jesus... There was a statement about my going to Juilliard. I never went to Juilliard. And I'm pretty sure Jesus knows that I did not go to Juilliard. Now, this letter was influenced by this man's desire to see me grow out of the things he could see me lost in. And he wanted to date me, and I wasn't interested. So there were other other desires in there feeding into this letter. But, you know, I did, as my pastor said, you eat the meat and spit out the bones, right? When people give you stuff, ask God, is any of it real? If it is, chew it up, swallow it, enjoy it, and then spit the rest out. In the best case scenario, prophecy will already confirm what God has started to show us. It doesn't often come out of left field. I had one friend who left the church because some prophet came up to him and said, you are supposed to be a missionary in you know, somewhere in Polynesia. And he 
wasn't. He was an operatic tenor. That wasn't going to fly there. So anyway, he left the church over this false prophecy. It's very sad. The gift of discernment also helps us to know if someone's being influenced by a force outside of God or themselves. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over any spirit that might have crept into this room that is not of the, over the, Holy, that is not of the Holy Spirit. I bind your power. You are not permitted in this space. You may not speak. You may not manifest. I, you have to be deaf, dumb, blind, and impotent while I am speaking about satanic forces in Jesus' name. God is good, Satan is bad, and we are a mixed bag. So, we need to be discerning about the spiritual agenda behind all the avenues of our lives. Politics, entertainment, family, social media. God said there are demonic powers and principalities, which means big rulers, medium rulers, small rulers, over every dimension of human life. Rich mentioned a couple weeks ago about the gun violence in Philly and how it cannot be solved through legislation. There's a spiritual dimension of violence that is in our land. That can only be combated through prayer, through coming together in prayer to defeat what the enemy is doing. I've known people who get together. Back in my old church in North Philly, we had people gathering to pray and intercede over certain corners that were drug dealers and, and terrible, like horrible things happening on it. And this woman just wanted that. And I'll tell you what, in a few months, those drug dealers found some other place to be. They were not permitted on that street corner anymore. Their prayers in the heavenlies had done something on the earth. That also was not in my notes. How do we know if a group or an ideology or a spiritual practice is of God or the enemy? Does it, two ways, I'm going to give you two ways. Number one, does it exhibit the character of God? God told us what his character is like. Does it show love? Does it show peace? Does it show kindness, gentleness, patience, joy, forbearance, self-control? If it doesn't, and it claims to be of Jesus, it is not. I, I'm just going to say it. It is not of God. Because God's moves of his spirit are like him. We need to test the spirit behind each thing, especially in matters of supernatural experiences. We need the gift of discerning of spirits. The Apostle John showed us how to test if a spirit or an ethos is really from God. We have to test the spirits. He said, this is how. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is in the world today. So again, if we're drawn into something that confesses Jesus is Lord, but doesn't de demonstrate his character, then it cannot be God. Or if we are drawn into something that is spiritual, that will not confess that Jesus is Lord or has come in the flesh, then that practice cannot be of God either. And when he says, 
come in the flesh, what he means is there were two ways of thinking about Jesus. One was that he's just a man, a really good man, a spiritual man, as one of my relatives said, just a man who's found his completeness, right? Or he wasn't a man at all. He was just a, an embodied spirit that when his, spirit, when his body died, the spirit went off into the ethos. That, that is also not true. The spirit or the ethos behind a spiritual phenomenon needs to say Jesus is Lord and has come in the flesh as God in order for us to approve that this spiritual phenomenon is from God. Otherwise, it is likely a deception. The Apostle John called the force behind these things the spirit of the Antichrist. The powers of hell working to impact the minds of boys and girls and men and women, particularly spiritually gifted boys and girls and men and women. Because when God gives gifts out, he gives them to everybody. And they are without recall. And the spirits know it. The spirit of Satan or the Antichrist has one main goal, to keep us from God, especially from Jesus, in any way possible, mostly through enticement, comfort, enlightenment, which is fed through deception, confusion, fear, and mistrust and discrediting of sound Christian teaching. One of my young um, adults said to me once, Christians just follow blindly. It's just a bunch of blind faith. How can we believe in something that people just blindly follow? And I said, you know, have you ever considered that it's not blind? Have you ever considered that they've actually tasted other avenues and realized this is it? This is the only avenue? Maybe it's not blind faith. In my opinion, there are two primary satanic deceptions. First, that we can be like God without God. That's what we saw in the Garden of Eden. This has been around forever. And many modern, which are actually very ancient, pagan practices promise this. We can have union with the divine, but Jesus is not God. Cannot be from God. The second deception is to convince people that Satan doesn't exist, and you're a fool if you believe it. This is what I experienced in my academic world, right? Anybody who believes in a personified devil is stupid. It's just ignorance. All the evil that's in us comes from some selfish gene in the gene pool, which, by the way, has never been proven in, in science if you've ever read Richard Dawkins' books. Remember the things of God are foolishness without God's Holy Spirit. Many people buy into these ideas but still desire the beauty. In other words, many people believe this, that we can be like God without God and that Satan doesn't exist. A lot of people believe this, but they still want spiritual experiences. Why? Because God gifted them that way. God made them spiritually sensitive beings. These people can get drawn into all sorts of deception. Pagan culture, witchcraft, paranormalism, spiritism, yoga, Eastern mysticism, and so on. All of these are growing in popularity in America. They're becoming a more universal way to live, while Christianity is becoming irrelevant and abhorred, despised. If we do our research, 
we can learn, and I remember reading about this stuff 30, 40 years ago, that this new American worldview that is coming upon our lives has actually been a stated goal of witch covens, paranormal institutes, and Eastern yogic training groups and other organizations for the last 60 years or more in America. The goal was to convert the West away from Christian teachings into any other way of thinking about spirituality. It has not been accidental. And it doesn't help, again, not in my notes, that a bunch of Christians are walking around on the planet being mean. It does not help our cause. The gift of discerning of spirits can keep us from being deceived and help us to guide those we love towards real spiritual power and the beauty that they're really seeking. There is no higher power than Jesus. But I prefer my loved ones learn this on this side of Judgment Day because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. I just pray to God they do it willingly out of a heart of gratitude. Satan is bad, but he is brilliant. He knows the mind of God, and he knows how people were created. Jesus has been so maligned, so misrepresented, so mispresented, sadly, mostly by Christians ourselves. Not maybe us personally, I hope, but maybe. I wish I could go back and unsay some of the things I said in the 80s. I really wish I could. These dear people who are filled with sensitive spiritual gifts of God have been injured, horrified, and often completely blocked from the community of Christian faith because of the way they've been treated by people who say they follow Jesus. So many have been dismissed, misunderstood, mistreated, and condemned by Christians. I remember in college one Christian girl saying to me, you're a Christian? I would never have guessed that. Thanks. These tender ones, dearly loved by God, especially young ones, have been so rejected and humiliated by what Christians have said or done or been that they cannot even think of associating with the church. They don't want to be associated with that. They're too tender-hearted for it. As I was working on this sermon, God revealed his heartbreak to me about all these witches and pagan worshipers, and yoga practicers, and spiritists, and wizards, and Wiccans that were gifted by God for spiritual experiences. They were the ones who were supposed to bring us the Holy Spirit. God's heart was breaking over them. I have never just wept at my dining room table the way I did writing this sermon. It just caught me. People who are built with his special sensitivity to the spiritual, but who've gotten lost. No wonder American churches can be so dry. Satan's got all the juicy people. The artists, the creative types, the sensitive ones. So many communities don't know how to relate to us. Because I'm one. But they'll find their homes with others who have found a rich, spiritual, magical life 
but one that will ultimately lead them to eternal death. And they won't find out about it till it's too late. We cannot be that kind of community. We must bring the spiritual, supernatural works of God to the people who so need to taste them. We cannot be dry, crusty Christians and say we serve the living God. We have to welcome those who are seeking spirituality, no matter what color their hair is or what's sticking out of their noses. We need them. We come to God as we are, and he transforms us to be who he designed us to be, not so that we look like the most conservative person in the room. Can we be that diverse? Can we dare to look different? To better understand these folks, I did a little research on some pagan websites. I found this very interesting. This is a quote. Many of us are pagan because, well, we're a bit magical. We can't change who we are, and our practices help us look forward, strengthen our spirits, and purify our intentions. In a crazy world, ritual practice helps us feel free and whole. This is the epitome of the spirit of the Antichrist. He knows what people want. He knows what Jesus promises them, and he gives it to them for a time. What if these spirit seekers actually knew the real Holy Spirit and all the gifts he pours out to the followers of Jesus? What if their childhood church experiences, if they had them, were filled with amazing supernatural experiences that could satisfy their hungry, spiritually-minded souls and sensitivities and giftings from God? What if they, when they met Christians, were treated like they are as special as they are? and were directed to use their gifts for the giver of the gift himself. The first person who gave me a prophecy used to be a medium. I was in a charismatic church up in Boston, and I got to talking to her. It was the best prophecy I ever got. It like took my breath away. And she said, oh yeah, I used to be a medium. I used to channel spirits for other people, and I had to learn how to submit this gift God gave me to the Holy Spirit. That was amazing. That was a success story. Jesus got her and brought her in to use her gift for his kingdom. I wonder how many folks have tried to find God. I bet that woman had somebody praying for her, keeping her from going down the wrong path for too long. I wonder how many folks tried to find God before they bought into other avenues of spirituality, but they didn't have somebody covering them in prayer. And the Christians they met accused them that they were weird. Or here's the one I heard the most. You're not really looking for the spiritual. You're looking for some emotional thing. And the word of God and faith in Jesus should be enough. What if their hunger wasn't dismissed as some sort of weakness of faith? If the Lord had not kept me, and I believe mostly through my father's intercessory prayers, I might have been swept into seeking the spiritual outside of God. I experienced the Holy Spirit in vibrant ways when I was little. And I gave my life to Jesus at 16, rejected the unbiblical doctrines of my childhood church, and looked for a biblically sound place that valued supernatural experiences that God had already given me. You know what I found? Bible studies and religion. People who had no place for my questions because it wasn't the topic they were studying that night. I encountered Christians who accused me I was looking for this emotional high 
and that what they were offering should have been enough for me. I thought I would choke from the dust. It took me years to forgive them because I was right on the hook. But they did not know the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that word that David Watson quote that John Wimber loved so much? All word and no spirit and we dry up. That's all I encountered as a young Christian looking for fellowship. They didn't think God still used the Holy Spirit and they condemned me for wanting them, saying I was too emotional. I've been told I was too emotional my whole life. I think this is on. Is that on? No, okay. So, you know, there was just another way of rejection. But I knew, you know, Satan was ready. He was more than willing to jump in and provide the supernatural experiences I was looking for. So I tasted transcendental meditation, spiritism, Ouija boards, astrology, seances, yoga. All these things were very interesting to me. They were mystical. They were beautiful and otherworldly, and they, they even tasted a little bit like the Holy Spirit experiences I had had as a child. Some were even healthy, helping me to learn to calm and breathe and center, strengthening my mind and my body. They were artistic and compelling and mysterious. All the tasty things my artsy heart yearned for. I was sure, I knew there had to be a way that we could experience both the biblical truth of God and the power of his Holy Spirit, but I just couldn't find it. With each new practice that I tried, my itch would start to get scratched, but it always turned dark and creepy. And the gift of the discerning of spirits in action, covered by my father's intercessory prayers, eventually would show me I was walking down the wrong path. But each time I had to let go of one of these practices, I felt alone again in my desire for supernatural nature of God. I thank God that in my late 20s, I ran into a spirit-filled group of Christians who finally would answer all my questions. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got a gift of praying in tongues. I, start, I started to really relate to God the way he had originally made me. And I was so grateful. But I was even more grateful six years later when I found the vineyard because I did not have a lot of discerning of spirits for those first six years. And I'll tell you what, that was a wackadoodle time. But even here in the vineyard, it took me about 15 years before I decided I could let go of yoga. I so wanted to be strong and balanced and protect my joints in all the ways these yogic studios tell you yoga is so healthy for you and it feels really good. I was convinced mostly by other Christians that it wasn't such a big deal. Even though several of my friends strongly warned me about the spiritual dangers, I wrote those people off as legalistic and out of touch. I practiced and even taught a form of yoga for 15 years before I finally listened to this little voice in my back of my mind telling me that this blending of demonic worship to him was not acceptable. One day doing a sun salutation, which I will not demonstrate here, in my living room, thinking I was worshiping God. This is after I joined this church, by the way. I just felt slimed. And the same things that God had shown me over and over and over, he showed me the gray and the dark in what I was doing. I could see it in colors. And I, I stopped. I said, what, Lord? I thought I had your permission to do this. He's like, you never had my permission. 
you had my forbearance. But no matter what I believed, God knew yoga was spiritual. It is rooted in yoking yourself to the demon, creator, God, Hindu God, Brahma. That's its goal. Even though I had scrubbed it clean of spiritual things, it was never clean in God's eyes. I had to stop. And I'll tell you what, I went through a significant deliverance, which is a story in and of itself. But it was also hard for me because it was one more beautiful spiritual expression I had to let go of. But you know what? God has given me something better, and I'm in the strongest physical condition of my life for the first time in my life without spiritual compromise. God's ways are always better. So what about the spiritual seekers we see today? What, if, what, what are we going to be like when we meet them? Have they also run into judgmental, unknowledgeable people serving Jesus through a lens of disdain toward them? This is such a surprise that an entire generation of people have turned from Jesus to mysticism and spiritism. Here's a challenge for us in the Conshohocken Vineyard Church. As far as I know, we are one of few spirit-filled churches in the Conshohocken area. And in the online magazine, More Than the Curve, we recently read an article that reported that there is a witchcraft store trying to open on Fayette Street. Did you guys know this? It's called the Witch's Way Craft Store. And they're looking to raise $5,000. They've already signed the lease, but they need money to get it going. The website description says, the WWC was founded to let people know it's okay to be themselves. Hmm, that sounds like God. Witches are people too, and deserve respect by people who misunderstand them. We are here to expand our community and keep educating the world that witches and magic are a thing to be celebrated. Even today, spiritual folk are often misunderstood. Having more physical presence will help allow those who feel the need to hide their magical side to feel safer and more free to express who they are in communities. Now, I will confess when I read this, my first thought was not, oh good, some lovely spiritual people for us to lead in the spiritual ways of Jesus. Ask Chess and Rich, I was at their house. My, my, my first words out of my mouth were, oh crap, I did not sign on to deal with witches. God has his ways. After he broke my heart for them, who knows what he's going to do through us. Now, just to be clear, the Bible makes it very clear in all three monotheistic faiths that witchcraft is rebellion and is evil. There's no way around it. But the advertisement for this store talks about the beauty of witchcraft and how misunderstood witches are. This is a powerful deception, and people are embracing it. This is the spirit of the Antichrist asking people to embrace all manner of spiritual practices as long as it's not Jesus. This takes discerning of spirits to realize no matter how sweet this can sound, it will lead them to death, ultimately. It's the epitome of the Antichrist deception to see witchcraft as beautiful. But could these folks find their spiritual fulfillment in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit? Can we be agents of his love, power, and presence instead of agents of criticism and fear? That's a challenge for us. So as I finish up here, I want to just say we have the real 
Christ, the real spirit and the most powerful God. Can we pray together for God to turn this to his glory? There might be a unique opportunity for God to love these folks through us in some very unique way. Because God is not weak in his goodness. And Satan is not smarter than God in his brilliance. We are a mixed bag. And we need discernment to see what is truly good, what is truly bad, and what God wants us to do to bring his love, power, and kingdom to this place where we lived. And I mentioned before, the biggest weapon we have against the spirit of the Antichrist is corporate prayer. Praying together for God's will to be done. Now, our next prayer and worship night is coming up soon. There'll be an announcement next week. Check your upcoming events so that we can come together and seek God's heart on how to minister to the spiritually lost that are gifted by him. And we also need, my very last thought, two seconds long, we also need, as Paul taught us in the very next chapter of Corinthians, to operate all the gifts with a spirit of love. If I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, but do not have love, I am nothing. Let us discern God, Satan, and ourselves well, but as we do, let us do it in love. Patient, kind, and humble, loving towards our brothers and sisters as we learn about our gifts. Patient, kind, humble, and loving as we learn and grow to ourselves. And patient, kind, humble, and loving to others, even if they're partnering knowingly or unknowingly with the enemy. Worship team, you can come forward. God is patient and kind and loving to us. We need to hear the mind of Christ so we can lovingly, gently help God love them. God is good, Satan is bad, but we are God's. Let's pray. Lord, you've placed us in a very unique place and time. And I pray, Lord, that you would use our community to be a spiritual well, deep spiritual well of power and light and freedom and hope for every person of every walk of life. Let your kingdom come, Lord. And as we, as we worship and um, get ministry time now, Lord, I pray that you move through us and equip us and help us to discern. Will you pour out your spirit in giftings today? Why don't you all stand with me?